Keeping sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Spacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. I am absolutely happy to be here, just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on a Monday. Yeah, um, I've been very encouraged over the weekend. We went to church. The older daughter came home, and she brought a friend who lives nearby, and so they kind of came home together. And it was so wonderful to see both of them. You know how those those college students are so bright-eyed and they're so energetic and they're so hungry, like for food, you know, they're just always eating. It was so great. So, um, you know, they, they give you energy, these, these young people. People used to say that when I was younger and I was like, what are you talking about? Now I get it. I totally get it. Because older people like myself, and I mean anybody older than 30, I'll just go there, um, you feel tired. You feel, you feel exhausted. And then the children come and you're like, yes, yes. So it was great. Let's go to the phones. We have Jill in Kentucky. Thank you so much for holding over. Um, it's really a pleasure to speak with you and happy Monday. Uh-oh. Did we lose? Calls um, I was just wondering with this FBI um, investigation with Kavanaugh, it seems like one aspect would be if they really wanted to know the truth, um, it seems like they would look into her finances, mm. any uh, recent deposits or hidden accounts or whatever, because I'm still on the stench of Democratic money. And that's all I have to say. Mm. Thank you so much for calling. And you're dead on. What I am happy about, I have to say, is that uh, Chuck Grassley, who I was kind of, I was looking askance when these hearings first began in the very beginning, he has actually launched a part of the FBI investigation is going into um, Diane Feinstein's role in the leak. In other words, who leaked it? Who leaked the confidential letter? Because as they have pointed out time and time again, in fact, we'll listen to a little bit of audio from um, Tom Cotton about how the Democrats disgraced the U.S. Senate. Um, they have actually taken this to a whole nother level. I mean, if someone says they want to confidentially bring forward something and they bring it forward, and they say, you know, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever happened to you, we can't find enough evidence here to substantiate your claim. Then she is prevented from having to undergo the scrutiny that's, that's happened to her. And he is not forced to, it's to let's forget about uh, Judge Kavanaugh. His wife and kids don't have to undergo what they've had to undergo because of the allegation. Because had it been kept confidential, it would have been handled during the investigation process, and he would have been able to say, I passed seven FBI investigations instead of six. Because at the end of this, he, he will have been investigated by the FBI seven, seven separate times. He could have said, I've had seven background uh, you know, investigations done, and they've turned up nothing, or they turned up this or that, but it wasn't enough preponderance of evidence-wise to do anything. And so it's just so interesting that at this point, you know, that, that that's where we are, that instead of it being confidential, instead of it being handled by the FBI originally, because origi had they brought this through the proper channels and shown the letter to Chairman Grassley when they received it, then it would have received not only the full FBI investigation with no time limit, but it would have remained confidential and would have only been a matter of something to disqualify him 
you know, then it would have become somewhat public, but it still wouldn't have been to the degree that it is now. But the Democrats needed this. They needed a, a public recitation of what supposedly happened to her. And, and I just can't tell you how many people I know who have educational backgrounds similar to this woman. It is a rarefied space that she occupies with two master's degrees and a PhD, but it's not so rarefied that I don't know. I, I know I have like seven of my friends have PhDs and these are real people that I know, not Facebook friends, real people that I know. I've never seen a woman with an advanced education such as hers behave the way she did. I've never seen a woman with that kind of education kind of make herself small in front of other people and talk with a baby voice. Never seen it. I've never seen anyone I know who's an adult who wears glasses come out with glasses that look like they were smeared with Vaseline in public. The, the hair, you know, all over the head looked like she had just muffed it up herself. Like, you know, literally just muffed it. You know, muffing is where you just take your hands and you just go up and up and up until the hair just looks kind of matted underneath. I just have never seen that before. And so I know that's not normal. The normal presentation of a woman with an education like that is usually razor sharp. Or if they're in the, the medical field, it's kind of, it's very clean. It, the presentation is very, very, it's almost like it's muted so that the person's beauty or hairdo or makeup don't detract from their expertise. I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed this before. Just, just observe. The next time you take your child to the pediatrician, notice what the pediatrician, the, the reason you haven't noticed is because most pediatricians, male and female, they wear their clothing in such a way that they just don't draw attention to their physical attributes. Even when they're attractive, they don't play it up because what they're doing is they're, they want you to see them as the expert that they are. They want you to respect their, their education, the time they've spent in residency. All, all of that background to them is far more important than cutting a sharp figure to you or looking like they have on the latest clothing. And that's why you don't usually remember what they, what they wear. They have on a white lab coat, but underneath it's not, it's not Versace. It's not, you know, they're, they're wearing nice clothes, but they're not anything that you're going to be like, oh my goodness, I remember that skirt she had on. You're probably not. Now it's a little different with dermatologists, but before I go off on a total tangent, there's a reason why people, especially women in professional business atmosphere and professions, if you will, don't. They don't cut a particularly sharp figure at work. Now, you catch them out in the evening going to a cocktail party or something like that, and they'll dazzle you. But at work, they're muting all of that because it's their expertise that matters. They don't want you to remember that they were wearing a certain kind of makeup or their hair was in. They want you to remember the advice they gave to you that you need to do X, Y, and Z, and also the prescription you need to pick up and be back here in four weeks. That's what they're interested in you remembering. So she didn't have on much makeup to speak of, but there was something about her demeanor that was almost like she just escaped some kind of psychiatric facility and she just barely got out with her glasses. That whole thing. I watched one of those body language expert videos and it was pretty interesting to see how that all, like the body language expert was taking her to task pretty roughly, but she made some good points about she didn't present herself like someone who had an advanced education. And that just, that really rang true with me. I'd already said that. Uh, and, and then to hear someone else say it, who I don't know, it was, it was kind of helpful. 
Um, so what I want to do now is since we're on the topic of uh, Kavanaugh, let's stay with it. We'll listen to number one. Um, it's Cotton. So it's Tom Cotton. He's talking about the Democrats disgracing the U.S. Senate in this orchestrated smear campaign against Kavanaugh. And it says it's an important bit of audio because he sets the record straight here. It's number one. There is a well-established process of confidentiality on the committee. Diane Feinstein could have showed that letter to Chuck Grassley and the two of them, as the leaders of that committee, could have shared it with the FBI, who could have discreetly conducted this inquiry in July and in August without betraying Ms. Ford's confidences. And they have betrayed her. They pointed her to lawyers, lied to her, and did not tell her that the committee staff was willing to go to California to interview her. All that, now, all that's water under the bridge. Those lawyers are going to have to face a D.C. bar investigation and their misconduct. Diane Feinstein and her staff is going to face an investigation for why they leaked that. All this could have been done discreetly. It happens hundreds of, to hundreds of times every year in the Judiciary Committee. I found him to be appropriately indignant sure. at the smear campaign. And I, I'm disappointed in what Chris Coon said on that video leading in. It reminds me of the old verb. This animal is very wicked. It defends itself when attacked. Yeah. If they didn't want him to come in, come in and be angry and indignant at their false accusations, they should have thought about that before they accused him of being a serial sex criminal for Let the last two weeks. Let me ask you this. If it and do, do, you see what, do you see what he said? He said, this animal is very wicked. It defends itself when it's attacked. That is a hallmark of what we've seen lately from the Democrats. I thought, let's, let's just cast our minds back to before um, Judge Kavanaugh actually took the stand. I'd seen him on Martha McCallum's show, and he was so meek and so mild, and it was so embarrassing for him discussing, you know, how he was a virgin and all of that. I thought to myself, oh, if, if he really does get a chance to testify, he's going to be very different. But I forgot that old thing about attorneys. And, I, and we know a few attorneys, too. An attorney is interesting because when they're with you, like a regular person, their, their natural personality can be very, very mild, very laid back, very, very unassuming almost. But then put them in a courtroom with a set of facts that they have to lay out, and it's like you flipped a switch. And now... They're like a lion coming at you, you know, and they're they're hitting all of the points and they're aggressively making the points. It's just it's a totally different thing. And that's what we saw with Judge Kavanaugh. He was righteously indignant and that anger had been pent up and stored up for a bit. And he was just letting it go. And it was right. It was it was appropriate. And so people who are saying, well, he's probably an angry drunk. What here's what we're ignoring about that. And I need to make this point because um, it just. It strains the outer reaches of what we know about drunk people. So first of all, there is such a thing as an angry drunk, right? But there's also, it, they're accusing him of being an angry drunk and also a drunk who drinks to the point of blacking out. Now, if you're getting close to blacking out, if you're drinking, what, what are some of the hallmarks of someone who's getting ready to black out? Well, a person who's drinking to the point of blacking out, because that's being unconscious, which means you're literally a few steps away from alcohol poisoning. So you're so drunk, you're close to blacking out. That means your words are slurred and you're literally like walking limp puttyville. You, you don't have any bones that are like going in, in a straight line. Everything is mush. You're falling over yourself. You can't get up. You can't walk 
more than two or three steps without stumbling and falling. How does a guy who's constantly blacking out carry out the attack that she described in the room? How does he do that? He's so drunk, he's almost blacked out, but he's also able to manipulate her, hold her down, you know, exert force upon her. This stuff just doesn't fly. If you look at what's being said here and you add it all up, take it all together, it doesn't work. She's afraid of flying, but she flies on vacation. She flies for her hobbies. She flies for work. She flies all the time. She didn't know they'd offered for a personal interview to happen in California, but if she had known, she would have been willing to host them, et cetera, et cetera. She didn't know what kind of attorney to hire. She didn't know that anything about hiring attorneys. Diane Feinstein recommended some attorneys to her. She hired them. They recommended a lie detector test. She doesn't know if any there was any recording equipment in the room. She was in a conference room at a hotel. She doesn't know how she got to the party. She's unsure of how many people were there, but surely there were only four plus herself or four plus herself and her friend. And then she doesn't know how she got home. She says she said hi to Mark Judge, a man who watched another man hold her down and sexually assault her. She went in a door that was close enough to him to say hello, and he was embarrassed. Wouldn't she have turned back around and left? Why would she say hi to a man who helped facilitate a sexual assault against her that traumatized her to the degree that she was upset? And then there's her undergraduate degree at Chapel Hill. Back when she attended Chapel Hill and applied, it was a very difficult school to get into. She said this derailed her entire high school career, but she still managed to get into one of the toughest schools in the country. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but in the end, the, there's what, what is this? It's a hit job. It's a political hit job by people who are still angry over the result from two years ago when the president won the election. They're angry that he's already gotten to appoint one judge. They're definitely angry that he's attempting to appoint another judge and they want to put a stop to it. And this is how they plan to get it done. It's not about the truth. It's not about fairness. It's not about believing women. It's not even about sexual assault victims. And, and it, but it is sad. It definitely is sad. All right, when we get back, we have more for you. We'll take your calls as well. 866-963-2037. Be right back. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Just over a week ago, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban went into a Los Angeles studio to try to explain why he wasn't aware of sexual harassment in the corporate offices of the Mavericks. The press conference to address the ruling by the NBA was in Dallas, but Mark Cuban, who was taping Shark Tank, stayed in L.A. to appear on an ESPN program. The fact that he couldn't make it to Dallas for the press conference should tell you something. His explanation on the ESPN program was that he should have done due diligence about who was running the corporate office. That would be someone who had already been under investigation for sexual harassment. Various sports writers even wrote about it. When the Mavericks HR director recommended one of the individuals be fired, Cuban took a pass. It is worth remembering that Mark Cuban is often presented on Shark Tank as a hands-on boss and expert on entrepreneurship. Of course, Mark Cuban isn't alone. He joins a list of coaches like Urban Meyer at Ohio State and Joe Paterno at Penn State who didn't see or didn't act when sexual abuse or sexual harassment were taking place. What happened in the Mavericks corporate office could apparently also be found in colleges like Baylor and Michigan State. My point is it's not a small, isolated problem. Why is this happening? Well, the perpetrators have a power advantage over their employees, players, or family members. It is not only a problem in sports, but in entertainment and politics, as illustrated by the women who have come forward in the hashtag MeToo movement. It's also happening because men in leadership in the sports programs I just mentioned didn't see it because they weren't looking for it. The solution is to change the sports culture and call for more scrutiny and accountability. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I actually think it's a good thing for Judge Kavanaugh. I think it's actually a good thing. Not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Now, with that being said, I'd like it to go quickly. And the reason I'd like it to go quickly, very simple. It's so simple. Because it's unfair to him at this point. What his wife is going through, what his beautiful children are going through, is not describable. It's not describable. It's not fair. I think it's fair to do it to me because, you know, I've been going from day one. I've been from long before I got to office. You've been doing it. It's almost became, I I think for me, it's like a part of my job description to handle this. But as far as, as far as, this is a man that this is not from his world. And you know what? If they're not going to want him, and I think that would be a shame. I'm with him all the way. I mean, a charge made or said to have occurred 36 years ago, and nothing happened since. And, and look, I feel badly for all parties. I feel badly for everybody. I feel badly for our country. This is so bad for our country. But I will tell you, I watched those senators on the Democrat side, and I thought it was a disgrace, and partially because I know them. Are I know s- them too well. And you know what? They are not angels. Are you saying your White House has... Mm. Mm -mm. All right. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) That was the president. Um, He was actually talking about the uh, new trade agreement between Mexico, Canada and the United States, 
when the Kavanaugh topic was broached yet again, and uh, he, uh, towards the end of the press conference, was doing some, you know, answering of questions on that subject. And, you know, he didn't have to do that, but it was good of him to talk about that. And he really has apparently a comfort level with it um, because I think he sincerely believes that Judge Kavanaugh is innocent and that the FBI investigation is going to exonerate him. And, of course, you know, remains to be seen what comes of it. Obviously, you have to wait until the FBI is done with what they have to do. Uh, but so far, based on what's been shared, it just doesn't look very likely that it's going to go any any differently. Um, let's go to the phones. We'll take a call. Connie in Tennessee. Thanks for calling the show. Hello. Hello. Oh, yes. This is Connie. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm in my car. Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Um, I, okay, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. I just, I, I heard you talking Friday because I, I listened to you on my way to get my grandson. I try to get both sides of the story, yours and the way I feel. Your opinion is different from mine, but that's fine. But I noticed you, you said really ugly things about Dr. Ford, the way she looked. And I don't understand what that has to do with anything. What, what her hair or glasses have to do with, is she telling the truth or is he? My question is, did they know each other? And are they going to question those friends or so-called people that were there and see? That, that would tell us a lot, don't you think? Well, they are. They are. They're talking to Mark Judge. They're talking to the one whose mm-hmm. nickname is PJ. They're talking to everyone who... She says was there. That's the first thing. So, yes, the answer to your question is yes, they're going to talk to them. And I didn't make a comment about whether or not she was pretty. I talked about her state of appearance at the hearing. And I spoke about that because when we're looking at her appearing before a Senate judiciary panel, an appearance she prepared for for over two weeks, I think it really makes a difference how she chooses to appear And it looked like an act that she was putting on. And so that's why I made the comments that I made. There are observations based on how she looked. Did you look at the, did you listen to the hearing or did you watch it? I watched all of it. And so, but her voice, I've never met her. I've never met any of these people. I've never met Donald Trump. I think he looks, if we're going to talk about somebody's hair, no, come on. But that's fine. That's neither here nor there. We can't, we can't get past that he's president yeah well he's but had that same hair for 25 30 years so that's that's the hairstyle he's had the entire time ridic- and, well it's ridiculous it's ridiculous well, sure but, i mean but, it's it's but, it's not something that ridic- impacts his performance the the hair doesn't well, impact his performance and and what i'm talking about is her presentation to the committee which to look to me like connie that she put that presentation on for a specific purpose which was to make the committee have a certain thought pattern about her to receive what she was saying in a certain way. You didn't find her voice to be kind of like ridiculous for a woman in her fifties who teaches graduate school. Right. That's what I was going to ask you, but you beat me to it. I was going to say, do you know that her voice doesn't sound like that? My no, I don't. Have a deep voice. I get confused. People say may, may absurd to me sometimes. I don't know why. I don't think my voice is that deep, but, I don't know. Maybe her voice sounds like that. But if she's lying, she couldn't she get in trouble? I'm, I'm trying to hear both sides. He acted like a complete crazy person. And if he's got all that experience, he knew what he was coming for. He should have been able to control himself better. Well, okay. Now, now let's, let's talk about that, Connie, because that's, that's an interesting point that you're making. Um, you don't think that if he'd showed up and kind of presented a meek presentation and was really, really calm that 
everyone would have said, especially media types on CNN and MSNBC, they would have said, you know what? He he does he doesn't really believe that he's innocent. He can't even defend himself. I mean, he was really he was caught by the neck if he did, caught by the neck if he didn't. I thought his presentation was indignant and he was upset and it was because he's been wrongly accused. And he shouldn't have brought his 10-year-old daughter into it. I thought that could have been left out. The child uh, really shouldn't be talking about any of this, in my opinion, because this is well, an adult matter. But Connie, he did. He I, brought it up in front of the nation and started crying. I well, but, did, but do you think but that anyway. do you think that he did that because his daughter's already been drugged into it? Have you seen the media coverage of his family, the cartoons about his daughters, the, the letters that his wife has gotten, the death threats? Have you seen all of that? I have. I've seen it on both sides. And I think this whole thing is, you're right, it's ridiculous. They're right. The senators are right. I thought Lindsey Graham acted awful. There's a certain way someone in that position should act. All of them. Hmm. I thought Lindsey Graham... I, well, I, you know, Connie, I, I have to say there, that people thought it was so awesome when Cory Booker had his quote unquote Spartacus moment. And I thought that was kind of grandstanding and ridiculous. Um, I understood he was go- where he was going with it, but I didn't I didn't agree with what he was saying. I thought Lindsey Graham looked justifiably ticked off because the process was ruined by the way that the allegation was brought forward. And he was indignant and upset. And I just think, you know, when Barack Obama got upset and cried, he was a gentleman and he had feelings. And when Barack Obama dropped the mic and went on the shows and read mean tweets and did all this stuff that I thought was unpresidential, everyone on the left said, oh, look how cool he is. Look how relatable he is. So could it be that the reason why you don't think Lindsey Graham or Kavanaugh were correct is because you are on the opposite side of the aisle and so you're kind of predisposed to disagree with what they're saying? Think that they, the um, the nice one, the only one that was really trying to be nice, and then I heard, I think you said it Friday. Well, he shouldn't have talked to the Democrats because that messed everything up. And that was what they're supposed to do. I'm not any of it. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. That's why everything needs to change. They get need to get some people up there that can be fair on both sides, including Kavanaugh. So, mm-hmm. Keeps talking about the Democrats. I don't. I just don't think any of it is fair. And when you're sitting like me, a grandmother sitting back here with five grandsons that are going to go out into the world someday, and you want this to be a good world for them, this isn't right. But a lot does need to change, and that is one thing I agree with. It doesn't well, seem to be changing for the better at this moment. Well, so Connie, talking about your grandsons. Would you be okay with your grandsons being accused and having their lives ruined over an accusation that's unsupported? Just basically one word from a woman, she has to be believed, so your grandson has to lose his career, lose everything that he's worked so hard for? I mean, I think that with, you say, five grandsons, you have a lot of skin in the game here. You have have a lot to lose. You're right. Yeah. And and they're probably going to drink. And everybody keeps saying, oh, did he drink? Oh, is he drunk? I don't care. I don't care if he did that. I, really don't. I want to know if they knew each other. He mm. said they never saw each other, and she said they did. That's what I want to know. That's and, and the media wants to keep talking about the drinking. I could care less what the guy drank or drinks. You know. Yeah. No, I, well, no, I'm, she, I'm with you on that. Nice when he, yeah, yeah I, did, I, I agree with you. On nice? that. She said, "Do you drink?" And he he yelled at that uh, woman. I can't remember her name. 
Oh. She, he said, did you drink? That wasn't nice. No, it and wasn't. He but he, he apologized to her afterwards for that. I think that was just his frustration at the questioning. Um, and it and it's an extraordinary amount of stress that he's been under. And so that was the one out of the entire 30 some odd. I think he's done like 40 hours of testimony now. The one area where he made a mistake was when he said, have you? And so I, I, I'm willing to give him a pass on that once, you know, out of 40 hours of, of really intense testimony with protesters and all of that. But I don't know. I, I agree with you. I don't care about the drink, Connie. I agree with you, you know, that things need to change. But I, I do think, and it's probably the same for me. I'll admit it, Connie. It's probably the same for me. But I tend to view this politically because it is in the political realm. And I do distrust the Democrats a great deal based on their behavior thus far. And I tend to not believe Dr. Ford because of the way that she went about bringing forward her allegation and then her presentation at the testimony. And, you know, I've been praying about it. I've been praying for the Kavanaugh's. I've also prayed for Dr. Ford and her family. And I hope that there will be a resolution to this that is that that can kind of calm things down. But I'm not sure that that's what the Democrats want. Do, I mean, you know, do you think that? Because you, you could have hung up on me. But my husband no, voted for Trump. I voted, no voted for Clinton. I got no problem. We're still married. That's not going to affect. <laughs> you know, these are our opinions. But mm-hmm. I just really am so tired of, you know, oh, this and I'm just sick of it. And it almost makes you not vote. That's why, you know, my daughter, she said, you know, if you put that out, I'm, I'm going to block you off my Facebook. I said, I'm trying to make a point. She won't vote. Mm-hmm. She's a nurse. Anyway, that's, you know, that's my life. But well, you I know, I can understand why out. she wouldn't she wouldn't want to be involved in it, especially if she's a nurse. Nurses are some of my favorite people because I've had surgery before and there's nothing a nurse won't do for you. Stuff your parents won't even do. Nurses will do for you. So um, if she's got nursing to do, maybe we just give her a pass and, you know, maybe she could just you stay out of it. Well, that's true. That's how I feel. But I, I I'm hesitant to criticize her because of what she does for a living. <laughs> So, well, you know, thank you, Connie, and, thank um, you for yeah. calling. And, um, you know, and, I wouldn't hang up on you. I just I'm 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 understanding where you're coming from, but I just don't trust that woman. And so I could be wrong. I've already said that a few times. I could be wrong. We'll see what happens after the mm-hmm. FBI investigation. Thank you for calling into the show. Yeah, I appreciate you. Let's do 50 50. Let's just meet it. Let's do 50 50. It could be him. It could be her. That's the way I'm viewing it. I don't know. It could be. Could she be. could be lying. He could be lying. That, that's my honest. Anything's I possible. But, you know, I start listening and all these people tell me other stuff. Well, she's taking a risk. She, if, if she's lying, then she should, in my opinion, go to jail. I'm not saying she is. I'm, I just believe, I believe her. But I don't know because they're playing on the drunk thing so much. We'll, never, we'll probably never know the real truth, but I would like to know if they knew each other. That's my main point that I called you about. So thank you and Mm. have a good day. All right. Thanks, Connie. Thanks for calling the show. Uh, I'd like to know that too, to be honest. I'd love to know if they knew each other. I, I, so, so far the four people they've spoken to have said that they don't remember judge knowing judge Kavanaugh, knowing uh, Dr. Ford. That's what's so far. Now the FBI is still investigating, so we'll see, right? We'll see what they come up with. Um, but so far, there's no connection between Judge Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford, as in friendship, you know, something, some proof, some friend who said, oh, yeah, I know. I knew both of them. They were friends or they were whatever. Um, 
and she was two years older than him. But that doesn't mean anything because you know how it is with kids. If you have any teenagers, you know that sometimes the friends cross-pollinate because of siblings. If you have siblings, your, your siblings' friends can be your friends. If you're somewhat close to each other within a couple of years, y'all can go to the movies together and stuff like that. So you can know someone who's two years older or two years younger. It can happen. Um, okay, we have time for one more quick call. Susie in Illinois. Hey, Susie, thanks for calling. You have about a minute or so. What's your comment? Okay. What I would like to say is I believe they, they – they do know each other. They probably didn't hang around with each other in the same crowd or anything like that. However, she was at the party that he was at the party. They have the same friends. She named people. He named people. Ran in the same crowd. But hmm. I don't believe he should be Supreme Court because of the accusation. Um, it, he just should not. Just like you guys prosecuted Bill Cosby and he was a horrible guy because of the accusation. Do the same I, I didn't deal. say that. I'm, I'm sorry. Susie, I didn't say that. I, don't lump me in with that group. I did not say that about Bill Cosby. Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. You said it. I'm, I'm speaking in general and overall. Um, it was a lot of people that crucified Bill Cosby on, on his situation. Now, this has come up about the Supreme Court. It's not in their favor. So now they want to shut it down. You know, be fair. You know, hear every, everything out. If Bill Cosby be crucified, so so should the Supreme, you know, want to be or want to be Supreme Judge because of the accusation. And I yeah, but the Supreme Court thing is different than the than Bill Cosby because he was actually prosecuted through, like they brought charges against him in in uh, criminal and civil court, so they actually did get a chance to present their evidence, and then a jury decided. That's not what's happening with Judge Kavanaugh, so it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. Do you think, Susie, that that's the same? Uh-huh. They accused him of what? Dr. Ford is accusing Kavanaugh of of, of attempt rape. Is is that not true? Sexual assault, yes. Yes, she is accusing him of that. The accusation itself, even before Bill Bill Cosby was even um, charged, people were you know, racing about what, how, how horrible a person he was because of the accusation. It's the accusation that's that making this a mess. Mm. Um, okay. Thank you, Susie, for calling, and I appreciate your perspective. Um, I hear the music, and I, I think I understand what you're, what you're pointing out. It's the accusations that are destroying these people. I didn't agree with people saying that Kazi was guilty based on the accusations. I didn't agree with that at all. All right. When we get back, we'll have more. Um, We're going to talk about the uh, voter intensity and illegal immigrants getting deported for cheating the system. Stay right there. There was a time where um, I was in the middle of doing something, and the Lord just, just really impressed upon my heart that I needed to buy my wife some flowers. I hadn't thought about it, hadn't done it in a while. And I walk into the door of our, our little small apartment, and I have the flowers in my hand. And my wife's eyes connect with mine. Her eyes just well up with tears. And I immediately start thinking, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on? And uh, she said, Abe, <laughs> I've been wanting some flowers, but I know what our financial situation is. And I didn't want to be an additional burden on you because I know things are tight now. And man, it was just a moment where my wife and I just fall more deeply in love with the Lord and more deeply in love with one another. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on Urban Family Talk. By relying on him. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Well, there is good news and bad news. The good news is non-farm payrolls grew by 201,000 in August. A Reuters survey of economists pegged expectations at just 191,000. Average hourly earnings jumped by 2.9%, above the 2.7% increase that was expected. Oh, and the unemployment rate continues to hold near a generational low of 3.9%. Now for the bad news. None of this is supposed to matter to you. Instead, you are encouraged to focus on the president's Twitter feed, even though only 7% of Americans actually use it. We should not bury our heads in the sand. Being informed is important. But how about a bit of balance? There are wonderful economic developments which are a direct result of the Trump administration policies. Listen, the number of Americans filing for unemployment welfare fell to the lowest number in 50 years. More families are experiencing the joy of the fruit of their labor. Let's take some time out and enjoy the good news. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. It was long thought that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell wouldn't try to run through a procedural hurdle and start debate on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to serve on the Supreme Court until the day after the Judiciary Committee sent the paperwork to the floor. In fact, that's the Senate rule. But in the Senate, you can make the sun rise in the West if you can get what's called unanimous consent. In other words, the agreement of all 100 senators. In a strange twist, the Senate actually managed to formally launch debate on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh a day early, thanks to the Democrats. So on Friday night, before a virtually empty chamber, McConnell asked unanimous consent of the Senate to begin debate on Kavanaugh. No one objected, because no one was there. Democrats didn't put up a fight, because they agreed to McConnell proceeding to the nomination. And in the Senate, if everyone agrees, you can go around the rules and make the sun rise in the West. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And what I'm finding is prior to the Kavanaugh hearing, the intensity level was really on the Democratic side, that more Democrats were wanting to go vote than Republicans. Republicans thought there was not a need. But in the last week, there's been a fundamental shift that people are now becoming upset, not just how Justice Kavanaugh was treated, but Dr. Ford, that the Democrats knowingly had this letter, held it, and then put her through this. You did not have to do this. And so it's a big frustration. And I was at an uh, event yesterday, and one of the candidates said, I was having a hard time having volunteers come up. Now they're just coming to the headquarters. And I think the intensity level has now increased because of what transformed. Wow. So welcome back to the program. Um, UrbanFamilyTalk.com, StaceyOnTheRight.com. Head over, hit the subscribe button, hang with us. Um, so we've got this... Voter intensity, which is an interesting uh, thing, because I think it's really up on both sides of the political aisle. And I can understand, like, the two callers we just had recently. We had Connie um, and, you know, expressing disbelief at Kavanaugh. But it's not really about whether or not we believe them from their presentation. It's about whether or not there's evidence to move forward. And I, I'm saying that because, again, this is the children, you know, the, the, the legacy that we're leaving to the kids that all of us have. My husband and I, we have a son um, and I have lots of cousins who are guys and they have sons. 
And, you know, so the, the, the whole idea that any man is open to this new normal where only an accusation is needed to take you down, that is not the way this thing is supposed to work. And the comparison with Bill Cosby, yes, it was an accusation, but with Bill Cosby, they actually took the steps of filing a case with the last woman. There were a bunch of accusers, but the conviction came from the last woman being within the statute of limitations. And even though it happened a long time ago, she was able to pre- present whatever evidence was required that now has him spending three years in jail. This is the way it's supposed to work, actually. I, I don't agree with 35. First, you have five accusers. Then you have 20 accusers. Then you have 35 accusers. But only one of them is made to actually provide evidence. If anyone's going to accuse, they should be made to provide evidence. If you have an evidentiary standard, then that prevents people or at least deters them from bringing false charges. In every case that you see where a false charge has been brought and someone's gone to jail mistakenly, it's because prosecutors were like, well, we just have to believe this woman. We don't have a lot of evidence, so we're going to move forward. You better take a plea, a plea bargain. So an innocent man goes to jail on a plea bargain because they don't want to go to court and face 40 years. It's an easy win for the prosecutor who gets a slam dunk and gets to increase their rate of you know, uh, you know, winning cases. And the accuser gets to get off with only her word being all that's needed to put a man in jail. Imagine if the shoe were on the other foot. Women would be marching by the millions on Washington, D.C. or wherever they needed to march to to put a stop to this. Men are just sitting around with their eyebrows up in their in their forehead, just looking around like, I can't believe this is happening. It's happening. I would compare what's happening to Judge Kavanaugh to what happened to Clarence Thomas because there were no criminal charges filed in either case. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison to compare it to uh, Bill Cosby because there was there were criminal charges brought and they had to have a preponderance of the evidence in order to meet the standard in order to take it to trial. I hate it because we have all the DVDs of him on the Cosby show and our kids love watching those. And so for me, it's it's a devastating, you know, that that he was convicted. It's just I mean, it's, it's just hard to believe that, that that he did that. But obviously he was found guilty in a court of law. So um, speaking of, we're talking about day one. Apparently, October 1st is day one of the deportation of illegal immigrant welfare cheats. The Trump administration on Monday began a new effort to target (laughs) deporting immigrants caught cheating on welfare, lying about their IDs, uh, the ones who've been accused of serious crimes. The new policy is driven by public safety. And Francis Cisna, who's the director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, told Georgetown University Law School at an immigration conference on Monday morning that, quote, what is new is we are expanding the categories of people who are going to be receiving these notices to appear to most principally people who applied for a benefit or have no underlying lawful status. In other words, they're here illegally and they're using our services, draining money from the taxpayers. So USCIS has had the authority to issue the so-called NTAs for 15 years, and they issued 91,000 of them in 2016 and 2017, and the reasons have been limited until the agency expanded them in July. So, quote, Cisna says, starting today, USCIS will begin implementing the updated NTA policy 
Under the new guidance, USCIS officers will now issue an NTA for a wider range of cases where the individual is removable and there is evidence of fraud, criminal activity, or an applicant is denied an immigration benefit and is unlawfully present in the country. Uh, This is also a result of the executive order issued by President Trump. I couldn't be more behind it, like, because people who are here illegally take jobs from American citizens who need to be working. And if you're here in the country lawfully and you want to work, but you can't because the plant near you is only hiring illegal immigrants, that's just a bridge too far. You're working, you're paying taxes, you're out of work, you want a job, and you're, you're watching other people who aren't in the country legally, they're, they're, they're taking that job? Come on. We have to have some kind of um, sympathy for those people. They're, they're Americans like us. We need to take care of them first. So the new justifications for issuing the NTAs are cases where fraud or misrepresentation is substantiated, where an applicant has abused any program related to the receipt of public benefits, criminal cases where an applicant is convicted or charged with a criminal offense or has committed acts that are chargeable as a criminal offense even if the criminal conduct was not the basis of the denial or the grounds for removability. And uh, they may refer cases involving serious criminal activity to ICE before adjudication of an immigration benefit. And um, like, I think that's good news. I think it's good news. So I did talk a little bit about in the last segment, I talked about uh, our first segment that governor Jerry Brown has signed a bill requiring that California corporate boards um, have to include women. So Governor Jerry Brown said on Sunday, uh, he actually signed a bill into law on Sunday that makes California the first state to require corporate boards of directors to include women. And so when I was talking the first hour, I was talking about serving on boards. I've never served on a corporate board, a school board as an elected official, and then on some other not-for-profit boards. This is corporate boards. This is actually the state of California telling companies what they have to do. A company that is self-sustaining and pouring tax dollars and jobs and all kinds of benefits into the community, into the state of California, now has to hire women for its board, even if they don't have women qualified that they want to hire. I mean, I think it's totalitarianism. How can you justify supporting that? I'm just, I'm just wondering, how do you get like to a place where you're supporting that? Um, so let's listen to Trey Gowdy. He says, Turning to the collusion, because have you noticed how we're not hearing anything about the Mueller investigation or collusion? It's as if it's not happening anymore. It's like magic. It's just gone. Well, Trey Gowdy said they now have 53 transcripts that will show that there's been no collusion. It's number three. Well, you're going to see that Tom Rooney and Mike Conaway and I ask collusion, coordination, conspiracy questions of every single witness, from Jared Kushner to Donald Trump Jr. to Steve Bannon to Susan Rice, Samantha Power, I want, I want your viewers and my fellow citizens to see every question that was asked. And what they will learn is Republicans were just as interested in finding out what happened with respect to collusion, coordination, conspiracy as anyone else. And what they'll also learn is that Adam Schiff wanted to go back 25 years and ask questions of witnesses while they were in junior high school And then he goes and gets the sparkle notes from the brothers Karamazov and decides to ask about Russian, ominous-sounding Russian names that none of the witnesses had ever heard of. 
So I, I can't wait for the transcripts to come out and defeat this narrative that Adam Schiff is the only one that is concerned about collusion. You can rest assured this, Maria, if there were evidence of collusion, um, Adam would have leaked it a long time ago. But there is not, and I can't wait for the transcripts to be public. Well, well, well. There's no evidence of collusion. So... When do we see the end of the investigation? That's my question. We got to get some guests on to talk about this. We got to get some guests lined up for later in the week who can come on and talk to us about next steps. Like, how do we know when this is over? Is it close to being over? Is it almost over? Like, how will we know that it's over? I'm ready. I am ready to move past this. If we thought that the president has been able to do some good things so far, Imagine what he'll be able to do when he no longer has an investigation you know, hanging over his head, keeping him from accomplishing other things that he'd like to do. Without the investigation, then there are some Republicans who are currently kind of stonewalling and not working with him congressionally who would be much more open to working with him. Um, yeah, thanks. I think that's the way we should do it. Um, and I also... I just I was just thinking about this to the question that we had earlier today on the show from a caller. It might have been Connie um, who was saying, what voice does um, does Dr. Ford have? Is that her real voice? So I'd actually been direct messaging with someone else about that. As a professor, a graduate school professor. So she teaches graduate students and undergrad. She would have somewhere, some video of her speaking or presenting. But are you aware, anyone who's listening, who's supporting this idea that she's right, that just before the allegation became public, her entire social media was scrubbed, all of her tweets, her Facebook account. So you know how it is when you go speak at a conference, you usually post a link to the conference and you click through to the link to the conference website and they'll have the different panels, and you can watch panels of people speaking about different things. We can't do that with her because her social media has been scrubbed. The articles that she wrote for the abortion manufacturer, the uh, RU486 drug maker, they've been scrubbed. Someone wrote an article about how she'd written those articles and the company scrubbed them off. So I'll just say this, you know, for someone who wants to be believed, for someone who wants everyone to take her at face value. Are those the behaviors of someone who has an open and honest record that they just want an opportunity to, to you know, air their allegation and let the chips fall where they may? Doesn't really seem like it, does it? No, not really. All right, we have time to take one quick call before the close of the show. The fantastic callers today. Happy Monday to everybody. Um, let's talk to Richard in South Carolina. Hey, Richard, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, Stacey. This is the uh, first time catching you on Periscope. Your Hi. show has been absolutely wonderful today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Well, oh, what's I your comment? Give you call. Oh, I just want to give you a call. I um, saw so, uh, earlier that Chris Evans, the actor, has been, and, and many other on the left have been trashing Kanye uh, for his stance at uh, and on SNL on uh, Saturday night, and just wanted to get your opinion on with Candace Owens and all these guys um, 
and uh, Black America, you know, standing up for and and, and openly supporting Donald Trump. And here you have a uh, you know liberal white guy trying to tell Kanye West what to think and what not to say. I just think it's pretty hypocritical. It is. It is, Richard. It totally is hypocritical. Um, thank you for bringing it up, first of all, because I actually was going to talk about it, but I couldn't find any clean audio of him making the comments because he said a few things that were pretty interesting about the welfare state, right? He said that the welfare state has taken black dads out of the home and really decimated the black community so that the black community can't keep up socioeconomically with everybody else, right? So, but then, Richard, he says, stop thinking with your mind, think with your heart. He, he ordered everyone to disconnect their thinking centers and use their their hearts to make decisions, which that's emotional thinking. That's not, that's not what we want. I'll put it this way. I think Kanye West is a masterful marketing genius. And I believe he truly is, you know, politically he's in, in a, in a transformational mode, but, and I like Candace Owens. I think she's very sharp. She's, she's a little rough for my taste as far as like, she, you know, she can be pretty hard hitting and, and she doesn't shy away from the cursing, but I would say I like what she's doing. I like what Turning Point USA is doing and Charlie Kirk. I think they're fantastic. They have the they're plugged into the young people. I don't I don't use Kanye West as an example of conservatism, but he has every right to think and believe whatever he'd like, just like Chris Evans does. And Chris Evans should really sit down and keep acting as Captain America before people realize what he's been saying and stop liking him. That's how I feel about him. I I, I like Chris Evans as an actor. I don't care what he thinks politically because I don't think he has two pennies to rub together worth of an opinion that I'd be interested in hearing about politics. Honestly, what, I mean, what does he read? What does he write? Who, who does he spend time talking politics with? Anyway, great calls today. Thank you so much. Good night from the heartland. I'll be back with you tomorrow with more Stacey on the right. God bless.